Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is it. This is our final episode before the season actually starts. Uh, we've spent... A lot of episodes talking already about how the season's going to go, kind of looking at the season as a whole. Today, we are going to focus in on that Nickel State game. Uh, we're being joined today by David Potter, senior editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, he was was able to go through kind of a preview of what to expect from Nickel State, uh, what to expect from Kansas playing against Nickel State. Uh, so we had just a brief discussion about that. So um, I will get you right over to there. Make sure you stay tuned after for our, our show notes and the announcements of what's to come. And I'm joined now by David Potter, uh, one of the, the main editors over there at Rock Chalk Talk. David, how are you doing tonight? Good. Glad to be talking KU football for game week. Yeah, it's a little weird that we're finally actually talking about a game coming up. Um, right. You know, <laughs> I've been talking so much about this team during the summer and like kind of dreading the day that this was coming, but it's weird. I'm finding myself just oddly excited um, that the football season has actually started. Now I'm not expecting the football season to go particularly well for us KU fans, but the fact that we're actually talking about game action um, is, is definitely an exciting time. So, all right. So first question for you, obviously uh, the season opener against nickel state is coming up on Saturday. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about. But but first of all, I, I, I did just want to ask you, are you are you looking forward to this game? Are you dreading this game? Like, what is it? What are your feelings toward the, the season opener? Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I do think, it, you know, I know a lot of people are concerned about uh, this being another repeat of North Dakota State or South Dakota State. I, I'm not quite as pessimistic about it just because, uh, in both of those two years, we had so little returning uh, production coming back, whereas this year we've got just about everybody back. It's going to be a more experienced team. So while I don't expect much from them over the course of the year, I think going up against an FCS opponent, even a better one, um, I, I, a lot more confident about it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know exactly what to expect. I don't know what changes, if any, of the coaching staff's going to have made, but uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see KU football again. 
and and uh, yeah, I, I think I think this one should be okay, and then after that, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is an FCS school, which you have to think that there's you know there's a, an advantage there being a, an FBS team, um, but you know they also are ranked. Uh, they made it to the playoff last year uh, down in FCS, so it's not like this is a pushover team, and they are returning just as much, if not more, production than we were from last year. So um, I, I'm definitely a little bit concerned about that, but kind of diving into this team a little bit, I, I don't know how much you've actually had a chance to read up on Nickel State, um, other than our, our preview that, that Mike did the other day, um, but is there anything in particular about this team that has you worried going into this game? Uh, just from what I've, I've seen of how they did last year, um, I didn't watch them any, but uh, I kind of looked over some numbers. Uh, it looked like they had a pretty solid defense. Uh, you know, they held Texas A&M to 24, and uh, they, they weren't necessarily a high-flying offense, but their defense did a good job keeping them in a lot of games. So uh, just because of our struggles on the offensive line the last couple of years and the fact that even though we added a lot of transfers, you know, this is uh, an offensive line that's going to be mostly playing together for the first time, so it'll probably take some time to gel. So if that defense is, ends up being really good for Nickel State, then I can see maybe some issues moving the ball, especially if uh, Doug Nature wants to kind of play a little vanilla and not to put anything on tape in, in week one. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at their numbers from last year. And they that that defense allowed 25.2 points per game, which puts them at 55th in the in the FCS. Um, I don't know if those numbers actually include the FBS games or not, but there's about 125 FCS teams, meaning, you know, that they were just in the top half, just kind of barely. Um, so it's not like they're you know world beaters as as a defensive squad. Um, you know, I, I I have to think just in terms of the athletes that we have, that we're probably, you know, going to match up pretty well athletically. The real issue is going to be, again, has our offensive line gelled? Have they gotten to the point where, you know, they're able to deal with whatever, whatever nickel state can go ahead and throw at us. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, I keep hearing, and we've actually talked on the podcast multiple times with multiple people about the fact that the, the, the offensive line is supposedly looking a lot better in camp. Uh, they seem to actually have guys that can hold their own there. Uh, they've been able to work well enough over the summer that 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 you know they're they're gelling somewhat. But we haven't seen anything in game action. So I think I, I agree. I think that's kind of the big concern, um, which has been the big concern for Kansas the last few years anyway. Uh, just you know, can the offensive line hold up against even a competent defensive team? Nickel State looks at least at least basically competent. Uh, just based off their numbers. And again, you know, they have guys coming back. Um, they have, they're pretty much all their production is coming back from, from last year as well. So I would expect them to be improved. Um, you know, they actually have two fairly winnable games against power or against the uh, FBS teams, uh, obviously us in the opener. And then they also go to five and seven two lane uh, later in the year. So it definitely looks like they have an opportunity um, to kind of make a name for themselves in FCS playing against two FBS teams that probably aren't going to be, you know, world beaters in their own right. So, all right. So, um, I mean, I guess really 
the main the main other question that we have is like what what are you expecting to see from Kansas? You had mentioned something about you know not trying to get too much on tape in the first in the first game. Are you expecting Kansas to play it very conservatively um, against an FCS team, or is this kind of a you have to try to win this game and so you throw you know pull out all the stops? Yeah, I what I would expect just given how football coaches are and how they, they tend to uh, stick to that sort of thing. I would be surprised if we came out, you know, throwing throwing the kitchen sink at, at Nickel State. I, I would expect to probably see more vanilla play calling, both offensively and defensively. But then I would hope, you know, if after we're a couple possessions into the game, if it looks like it's going to be competitive, if KU's not moving the ball especially well or they're not stopping Nickel State from doing the same, that they would be quick to open things up just because, you know, there's just not a whole lot of room to give as far as this team is concerned. You know, know, this coaching staff knows what the writing on the wall says, so I can't imagine they're going to risk losing the the first game of the year to an FCS team just in the name of not putting too much of their playbook on tape for Central Michigan. But I would still expect them to come out probably – with some more basic plays um, and, and not really you know, running any trick plays or calling a lot of blitzes just to kind of gauge how much of a fight they may be in for and then maybe open things up from there. Yeah, I mean, and that's normal that, you know, you, you kind of have a, a guy's pared-down playbook at the beginning of the year. One, because you're still trying to work stuff in. Um, you know, I mean, summer camp and, and – preseason camp and all that is a long time to be able to kind of work stuff in. But when you're, when you're still dealing with individual position battles, uh, you're still trying to figure out who your quarterback is. There's a lot of nuances that you can't really work into the playbook because you haven't really had the time uh, to play to the strengths of your quarterback, play to the strengths of the guys that you, you know, end up having win those position battles. So I would, while, while I do think that they are going to have a little bit of customization towards what Peyton Bender does, I, I, I do get the feeling that they're not going to have time to get everything in that they want Bay- Peyton to be able to do. And so we'll get, you know, later in the year, we'll get three or four weeks down the road and we'll see some new plays just because now they've finally had a chance to work on it in practice. They've finally gotten comfortable with it. They can finally go ahead and pull it out. Plus, I'm sure that they're probably going to save a couple things back that are specifically targeted at individual teams. Um, you know, don't want to put those on paper, especially if you think you can exploit it really well. So, um, or on, on, on film. So, all right. So, uh, I mean, I wish, I wish there was a lot to talk about with this game, you know, um, basically, so, so they're returning, let's see their, their QB nickel state. Actually, it, it appears like they're returning people at all the major positions. So, yeah. um, last year though, was kind of a surprise for them. I was looking up some information on them. They've played 26 years in the Southland conference. They've only won 57 league games with seven of those victories coming last year. So last year was kind of out of nowhere. You know, they went eight and four last year, made it to the playoff. Um, Was just really, really, I believe they made it to the playoff. I keep seeing something to that, but I didn't actually look at the actual bracket from last year. Yeah, they did. Okay. Okay. There we go. That makes a lot more sense. But yeah, so, I mean, you know, it was definitely a surprise season for them. The question is going to be how much they can build on that. I don't think we have any concern of Kansas taking this team lightly just because they can't really afford to take any team lightly. So, um, so let's, let's talk about, I guess, some, 
kind of specific predictions for the game. So first of all, how like who do you think is going to be the most important player for Kansas coming into this game? Just because I know Nickel State likes to run the ball more than they pass, I think Joe Deneen is probably going to get a lot of opportunities to rack up a lot of tackles, something he's been very good at over the past couple of seasons. Um, I, I think the defensive line is returning a lot of uh, re- returning a, a lot of uh, uh, experience, and you know, minus Dorrance Armstrong. And so, if they can even just hold their blocks for the linebackers and safeties to come up and, and make plays against the run, then uh, you know, hopefully, we're not giving up uh, yardage in huge chunks. But I think that should give Deneen just with his nose for the ball and his tackling ability. A, a lot of chances to really wreck up a lot of tackles and hopefully tackles for loss and, you know, keep Nickel State from moving the ball forward and keeping the chains moving too much. Yeah, I do agree that Deneen's going to be important. Um, I actually get the feeling, though, he's not going to be as important this year as he was last year just because I'm expecting more from the defensive line, so there's not going to be as many runs as, you know, they get to that second level. Um, the guy that I think is actually absolutely critical for this is Daniel Wise. He has to have the kind of game that we expect from a guy who's looking to have a career season. Um, you know, I'm expecting him to set the tone up front and uh, cause a lot of, you know, he's got to be able to clog up the middle enough that, that either guys are getting tackled by him coming through or they're pushing people to the outside enough that someone like like Joe Deneen can actually come in and stop them for a one or two yard gain instead of, you know, the six or seven he was getting before when the guys just were gashing through the line last year and he was having to chase people down. So I do think that Wise is going to be more important just because he's going to have to set that tone up there with the line to make sure that we don't have guys just coming through whenever they want. So what, what about on offense? Who do you think is going to play the biggest role? Obviously, Peyton Bender is, you know, a big, huge, um, like big, huge flag there of, of a guy that's going to set the tone for it. But other than Bender, um, because we all know that it's going to be important for him to play well, who do you think is going to set the tone for the offense the most? I'll just go ahead and say the entire offensive line, uh, because that's going to be the key to KU really being able to do what they want to do, which you'd hope they can, at least to an extent, playing an FCS opponent. Um, you know, as, as we had talked about earlier, there there are a lot of new faces on the line, even though they aren't young. Most of them are experienced in, in grad transfers or JUCO transfers. You know, it's going to be the first time that they've all played together in game action, so I'm not sure exactly what to expect. But if they are improved, as the reports out of camp seem to indicate, then I would hope that they'll, against an FCS defensive line, be able to control the line of scrimmage, allow for some space for Khalil Herbert to operate in, and then uh, we've seen from Peyton Bender in the past, it's important that he has time to go through his uh, to go through his, his reads and uh, progressions and, and find the right receiver because he tends to get a little panicky under pressure. So you don't want to see that again, especially against what should be an overmatched team. So I think uh, the offensive line is really going to be the key to everything in this one. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I also think just individually a certain player that's the most important would be Alex Fontana playing center. Um, you know, we saw what happened last year after Mesa Ribordi went down and the offensive line play was just absolutely atrocious, especially up the middle there. Um, you know, college football especially, it's very important to have a very strong center um, that can very authoritatively get the ball back there as he needs to. And he really sets the tone for people crashing through the line. If he can, 
you know, if, if he can play well and can, can set up there as the center there, it makes it easier for everyone around him. Um, I do think that that's probably going to be the most important as well. Cause we've, we had very inconsistent center play, obviously not all that entirely the coaching fault. Um, just the fact that you have a guy go down with injuries. Um, I think center is probably one of the harder positions, especially on the line. Um, you have to deal with more athletic guys on the outside, but the center really is, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of calling things out. He's the one that seems to be the most, I guess, responsible for how the, the, the tone of the line, you know, a lot of times the center is kind of the leader of that offensive line unit. And so if, if Alex Fontana, Fontana can get it, you know, get it really well together and can play well, I think that sets the tone for everyone else and it allows the rest of the offense to really do what they need to do. So, all right. I don't want to go too, too deep into um, actual predictions for the game, but I did want to, you know, I did want to ask, what do you, expecting in terms of the, the overall tone of this game are you expecting it to be a close game throughout um do you think do you think there's there's a chance that that kansas gets a really big lead and kind of coast through this one and takes people by surprise or are you expecting this to be a, a nail biter the whole way yeah i don't think they'll just coast beginning to end um nickel state as, as you mentioned is returning a lot of players they're they're experienced they're not going to be you know they they held close against texas a&m last year you know, this this is not going to be too big a moment for them at all. So I expect them to be prepared. And, you know, as we've seen, Kansas is just not a good enough team to just blow the doors off of a competitive football team. Even if it's FCS, they are one of the better teams from FCS. So you know, I, don't, I don't expect them to run away with it, but I do think that they'll kind of slowly put some space between themselves and Nickel State end up winning fairly comfortably. Again, not a blowout, but I don't think it'll be – a nail biter. I definitely hope it's not a nail biter, but I think it'll be sort of somewhere in between those two. So to kind of expand on that, what do you think the worst case scenario is for this game, and then the best case scenario for the game? Well, worst case scenario is that the offensive line doesn't look improved. The offense isn't going anywhere, and so there's pressure on the defense again, and especially uh, you know if some of the the new players, especially in that secondary, aren't really holding their own, then you know, Nickel State goes up by a couple touchdowns and then KU's playing catch-up, which is really hard to do when you're not protecting your quarterback. So I think that, that would be the worst-case scenario and one that uh, will be really disheartening for the rest of the season if we're not seeing uh, anything more improved up front. What about the best-case scenario? Like, how do you think – how well do you think this game could actually go? I, I think they have the potential to win very comfortably, especially if they can get out and force a couple of turnovers early on. If the line's blocking, Peyton Bender can get into a rhythm, then I think there is potential for them to put up a couple touchdowns in the first quarter and just use that and, and build on the momentum to you know, get a real comfortable lead at halftime. And then you know, hopefully they can afford to get some different players in there in the second half and uh, get some new guys, some more experience, and uh, you know, like we had talked about earlier, not have to open up too much of the playbook. So I think that's in play. It's not what I'm expecting, but I, just with all the the returning experience on this team, they should be able, or they should have the ability at least uh, to have that that kind of a performance against a team that I think Sagarin has ranked 151st overall right now. 
They have, I'm sorry, Sagarin has, can you rank that or Nickel State? Oh, no, Nickel State. Okay, okay, I was going to say, I thought we were a little bit higher than that. So. Yeah, we're 111. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds about more than I was expecting. I don't have them up in front of me, so I was like, wait a minute, that caught me off guard for a second. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, Kansas should be um, should be a comfortable favorite. Uh, the Obviously, you never really know with this team how that actually is going to turn out, but I do have to agree with you. I think worst-case scenario is that Kansas gets punched in the mouth night really early. Um, they kind of go into panic mode and try to do, especially on offense, try to get too much at once which leads to a couple turnovers and it kind of snowballs. I do think that Kansas doesn't lose this game by any more than like two, three touchdowns. Um, but if that happens, it's because they got off to a bad start and they start pressing too much. The defense, you know, sells out on plays too much, trying to get a big turnover to get back in the game. Um, and, and ultimately it can just kind of snowball on them from there. Best case scenario. I, I have to agree. I think really the best case scenario is going to come from the defense. If the defense can set the tone and can keep, nickel state from getting anything early that'll give the offense time to settle in you know not a lot of pressure on them they can find that rhythm they can find what works and then they can and then they can take off like i i think i think we have the potential of you know just putting a ton of points on them like we did against the rhode island team against some of these other fcs teams if we can get the offense in the right rhythm if we can get them in the right Know, get that momentum going, but it's all going to start with the defense. Our defense is going to have to stop them early, and they're going to have to stop them definitively. Or either going to have to get some turnovers, or we're going to have to, you know, force them into some three and outs pretty early to really set that tone um, for us to get what I'm seeing as our best case scenario. I think what's a lot more likely though is that, you know, both teams kind of putter a little bit at the beginning. Um, they kind of get it going. I don't think the game actually gets any time or anywhere outside of a 14 point margin either way until we get to the end. Um, I do think Kansas could, could potentially win anywhere from about 10 to 20 points. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like they, you know, get up really big early, like you were saying, and then, and then coast. I do think it's going to be kind of a nail biter through until about halfway through the fourth quarter. And then finally they just wear them down, which is the hope. I mean, I would take it at this point, um, especially given, you know, what we're expecting and the fact that the nickel state is one of the better FCS teams. So it's not like, you know, if, if this had, if this had happened against like a Rhode Island, you know, where we only won by 10 points, um, and we couldn't really get any kind of separation. I think you would be a little bit dis disappointed just with how, you know, not well, how low in the rankings Rhode Island was that year. But this year, you know, if you, if you, play nickel state to a two touchdown game or even only win by a touchdown. It's not necessarily anything to be super concerned about because they are expected to actually do something this year at the FCS level. So, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, I won't ask you for a prediction because we are going to be doing our predictions on rock chalk talk and I will leave it for there. Um, and actually I think those might come out before this episode drops. I'm not really sure, but um, let's go ahead and finish up. I've asked our other, our other guests that have come on for football um, to do this as well. And I'd like for you to do it as well. The, the over unders. So I've got five different things that I've set over unders on. Um, and I'd like to get your thoughts on whether Kansas will go over or under on these. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my, my predictions as well after you do. Um, since this is the last episode before the season starts. So the first one, number of QBs to start a game for Kansas this year. And I set that line at two and a half. I would, I would say under, if you're asking me how many play, I would take the over. Um, but I, 
I just, you know, I don't have any insider knowledge, but just from what I've read, I just don't get the feeling that Miles Kendrick is showing the staff that he is where he needs to be to be starting for a, a D1 or especially a Power 5 uh, football team. So I I don't feel real confident that he's going to end up starting, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some time in, certainly in garbage time and some games later on. But I'll go ahead and tentatively take the under and say that the two who will start will probably be Bender, and then I, I would assume that the trend is every, from every other year in the Bay era will continue, and at some point we'll see a change just to try and spark the offense a little bit as the season goes on if there are if there are struggles putting points on the board. Yeah, the other thing to think about there is the fact that Kins has just not had any luck with injuries. Um, you know, we've in the last two seasons we have had to change quarterbacks because the quarterback has gotten injured. Now, a lot of that had to do with the offensive line, you know, being super porous. Um, but I, I think that we're still kind of on pace um, to have at least at least two different quarterbacks start. Um, you know, I, I could see a situation where we get to the end of the year and if the season's lost, um, that Miles Kendrick could go ahead and start just so we kind of see what's going on. This is something I actually had talked about with a couple of the other guys. Um, you know, because of the way the redshirt rule has changed, you can play in up to four games and not burn your redshirt. Um, we could get to the end of the year and we could say, Miles Kendrick, you get to start the last two games, you know, and so we can see what you're doing and see if, you know, we want to give you a head start jumping into next year. I, I could see potentially that happening. Um, so I think that it's a real possibility to have the over, but I, I do have to agree with you that unless, unless we have injury problems, I do think that we're probably going to have two starters this year. And, and I would have to say that it's probably going to be Bender and probably going to be Stanley. Um, all right. The, the next one, Steven Sims, touchdown receptions. I set that line at nine and a half. Yeah, I've, uh, I've heard Jesse Newell and Scott Jason's answers to this. And it, this is probably the, the toughest one. Uh, Cause I think that's probably a really good line. Um, I, I'll, you know, he certainly has the ability to go over that, but I'll take the under just because of my concerns about the offense overall and, just that we haven't really seen great quarterback play um, out of this team. Really, I mean, really, since Mangino, uh, since Mangino era, but especially under David Beatty here. So it's going to take the offensive line blocking for a quarterback and a quarterback being good enough to deliver that many touchdown passes to one player. And until I see it from Kansas, I'm, I'm going to have to go against it. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say under on that one. Yeah, I do think – because if he were to get the over, it would be, you know, obviously the, the first time that he had double-digit touchdowns in his career in, in a season. Um, his high was seven previously. So, um, But I do think that this is a year he's kind of, you know, he's continued to to improve and put up bigger and bigger numbers without the quarterback play getting any kind of improvement. I, I'm buying into the hype, the fact that the offensive line has improved that the quarterback play is probably going to be improved. And I do think that there's going to be enough of an improvement to get him over the hump. So I'm, I'm actually going to take the over on this. I think he'll probably end up with 11 touchdowns this year if I had to give a number. Um, I think just because, one, you know, he, he is a threat on any particular play to take a, a shorter medium pass and just burn it to the end zone. Um, you know, we've seen him do that quite a few times. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about his ability to turn – you know, particular plays into, into, into touchdowns that you wouldn't really think. Um, plus, I, I also have to think that, you know, that's how most of Kansas touchdown receptions are going to come. It's going to be on longer plays. We're not very likely to do, you know, we haven't been very good at, at passing in the red zone. 
And so I'm not expecting a lot of that to come from there. So that to kind of takes away one of the worries about of him trying to get his touchdown receptions that way. So um, I, I do think they're, that they're going to be improved enough that he's going to be able to, to get that done. So number three, the Khalil Herbert 200 plus yard games. I set that at two and a half. Yeah, I'd have to go with the under on that just because, I mean, 200 yards is a lot for anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that Kansas is going to be running the ball so much that he'll have an opportunity to rack up a whole lot of 200-yard games. And then, of course, you're also relying on the offensive line being improved enough to give him the space to run for 200 yards. Uh, and especially if he's carrying the ball enough to do that, you'd like to see a couple of the uh, other running backs like Don Williams or Puka Williams um, stepping up and getting some of those carries. So, you know, Herbert's not a huge guy. I'd, I'd rather not see him carrying the ball 25-plus times a game. So uh, it'd, it'd be a lot of fun if he could do that, but I, I don't think he'll be racking up in too many 200-yarders. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I probably should have set this line at one and a half. Um, I could I could potentially see him doing that, especially if he rips off some big ones early in the game. Um, and I could definitely see him doing that maybe one or two times in the non-conference, especially if, if he gets going early. Um, but I, I do agree. I, I think I set that line a little bit too high. I'm going to have to go with the under as well. Um, I, I could, you know, or if I had changed the yardage to being, you know, 150-yard games even or, or something in that range, then, then maybe I could have justified a number that high. But I do think it's a little low. Um, you know, he is an explosive running back. We saw him go for, I think it was 291 against West Virginia last year. So he definitely has the ability to do it. The problem is with his durability issues, he's not going to get an opportunity to do it on a ton of carries. But if he can get some explosive carries, then he does have the opportunity to get at least a couple of those games. So, um, But, yeah, I, I would have to agree. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the under on that one as well. Uh, number four, the number of times that Kansas is losing by less than 10 points at the half. And I set that at four and a half. So either losing by single digits, tied, or winning the game at halftime. Yeah, so taking the over would be almost half their games. It would be five times. I I can see them doing that. I'll, I'll just continue to go with the persistent forecasting and, and say under just because we just haven't seen uh, KU competitive in that many games in one season. I'd, I'd have to go back and look and see how many times that was the case last year. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd probably take the under, but I think if things go well, if some transfers step up, if the line comes together on offense, um, I, I think the team definitely has the ability uh, to be in, in more than – in five or more games over the course of the season. But until I see it, I just have to keep assuming that it will be on the underperforming side. Yeah, I, I mean, this this was a hard one, too, because, of course, we are talking about halftime. And so there were a few games that Kansas had last year where they were they were actually pretty close at the half, and then it just kind of sprouted away from them. Um, but, you know, that, that Central Michigan game, they were down 24-6. to 6. Um, Ohio, uh, they were... They're actually only down by 11 at the half against Ohio, but um, that still would have qualified. So even some some of the games where they played the best, you know, they still had lots of problems trying to stay close. And, you know, the game against West Virginia, they were down 31-13 at the half. So um, even in some of their games where they played the best, they still weren't able to keep it close at all. And so 
Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they were you know only had one or two of those games that they were that they were under that. I do though think that this is going to be a lot more like two years ago than last year. Two years ago, we had multiple times where they were in games into the second half, like in the third quarter. They were really close. Um, I I think I am going to actually take the over on this one, though. Like, I, I could see them I, – I could see that that number being one in terms of the number of games that they're losing by less than 10 points. But I could also see it being seven or eight because, you know, I think the defense is going to be improved enough. I think that the offense is going to be improved enough to finally get something going early. Um, and I, I just think that when they get blown out, it's going to be more of a – they completely ran out of gas at the end and the other team piled it on as opposed to they were blown out of the water at the very beginning of the year. So I I am actually going to go ahead and take the over on that one. And then our final one, the one that I thought was the funniest when I came up with them, and and I probably should have reworded it a little little bit differently, but I'm going to go ahead and say it the way I originally wrote it. The number of punts on fourth and one. And I set that line at 11 and a half. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to take, over uh, just because I, it, it's pretty clear that if we're anywhere beyond about the opponent's 30, 35 yard line, then that seems to be David Beatty's preference, even though it, it wasn't supposed to be. He's, he's talked about, and Doug Meacham has talked about uh, being more aggressive on fourth down and, and relying more on the uh, on, on what the analytics say about what you should do on, on fourth and short uh, versus what the more old school approach is. But for whatever reason, he has consistently shown that he'd rather play it safe and conservative, even even when down by only one or two possessions and even with the ball around midfield or even past it. For whatever reason, he, he seems to want to take the safe option and play the field position game, which, which honestly with this defense hasn't really been all that safe. Um, so I, I don't know what's an, uh, what a common number of fourth and ones to face over the course of a season is, but I would go ahead and, and take the over on that. Yeah, it's just funny how, you know, he mentioned last year that they, you know, when I think it was last year. Uh, no, it was it was two years ago, I believe, when they played TCU and they punted like three times from TCU territory yeah. on a fourth and one or a fourth and two. And when he was asked about it, he's like, well, that's what, you know, our, our analytics department said that that was the right call. I, I don't know anybody. And actually, I talked with Scott Chasen about this, and he, you know, had referenced his, his great article about that, about how what the analytics actually say about that. Um, you know, there is nobody that would say that the, that, the, that the analysis, that the statistics tell them that on a fourth and one from your opponent's 38-yard line, you know, especially when you're only down by like I think they were only down by like ten at that point. That you should punt the ball and try and and then you know try to pin them deep. Um, if if you can, you know, bald face lie about that about what the analytics are telling you, I, that means that either you aren't telling us the truth and are just trying to give yourself an out, or you do, don't really understand what the analytics mean. And neither one is, is a good thing. And neither one gives me any confidence that he's going to make those decisions correctly. So, I, you know, as much as I wanted to say under just because of how bad it is or I, you know, didn't think that we are just like how big that number is um, or the, the improvement, I do have to think that we're going to have the over. The only way we don't have the over is if Doug Meacham actually gets to make those kind of play calls. And if he does, I expect him to be, you know, to be more aggressive 
Um, even the year that he, you know, supposedly was taking over the play calls, you could definitely tell. I think there was one time where, it, you know, I, I want to say it was the K-State game, but I'm not sure, where, you know, Meacham was trying to leave the 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 offense out there and Beatty essentially forced him to go ahead and punt it, even though it was supposed to be Meacham's call. So, um, you know, I, I will believe that Meacham is going to get to make those calls when I actually see him getting to make those calls and when we're not punting nearly as much. So I, I am going to have to go over on that one. So, all right, well, that'll about do it for tonight. Um, did, did you have any other final thoughts prior to the beginning of the season that you wanted to share? Uh, now, other than just, uh, you know, got to hold out hope because that's about all we have as KU fans, that um, you know, all the returning experience and you know, this coaching staff having some more years under their belt that something will get turned around here this year and even though I, I don't expect anything big but maybe we can see at least some progress headed into whatever the coaching situation is going to be next year yeah you know I've, I've said this before but it's worth repeating um, you know there are instances of coaches who have gone on to actually do well at their school that didn't show any sign of improvement at all before years four and five um, so you know while it's not likely that we're going to see Beatty turn it around. It is not impossible. So if you want to be optimistic, go ahead and feel optimistic about it. Um, definitely continue to have the enthusiasm. Just be prepared for the fact that, you know, while it's still technically possible for him to get it turned around and be a successful coach, it isn't very likely. We do have some, ex- some, some, some examples of it, but they don't happen very often. So um, the most important part is to just try to find a way to enjoy the season because no matter how bad Kansas football is, it is still great to have football back. So um, we'll just kind of leave you with that final thought. David, thanks. Thanks for joining me tonight. Um, and we will, we will catch up with you next time. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. And that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at rock chalk pod. You can contact us by email rock chalk podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow David on Twitter at David stat guy. Uh, we, We'll have a couple episodes next week, uh, continuing our pattern. We'll be back with you on Monday or Tuesday, giving you the recap of the Nickel State game, and then later in the week we'll come back with a preview of the game against Central Michigan. So, um, again, make sure you guys do find us on iTunes, uh, like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, all that fun stuff. It really does help the podcast get out there. So, um, once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.